As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Free. So today we have an interview with Clay Collins of Lead Pages on their SaaS pricing journey. Some of the decisions that they've made over the last year or so and how their pricing has changed from the start. You may have heard some of this interview in our episode on Wednesday, but there's still a lot more here. So make sure you stay tuned. But first, I wanted to share with you a bit more about our newest contributor, Mike Balsito, who conducted this interview today. Mike has recently gone through some really exciting career changes. So I asked him, what's been going on? Yeah, so I have stepped back into the world of running a startup, uh, which I'm really excited about. Um, I had co-founded a company about a year and a half ago, actually, but completely on the side. Um, and that company is called Product Collective. 
And really, we existed up until now for one reason, and that was to convene this conference every year called Industry, which is specifically designed for product managers um, and those in the whole product management space. So we just capped off our second year of industry this past September. It was great. We had 350 people from 25 states and uh, I think it was seven countries that came to Cleveland for it. Um, And it was so far beyond what we had expected that we made the call that at least one of us should go in full time. So I'm now stepping in the business and, um, you know, while industry is sort of the the primary product, if you want to think of it uh, that way, that we have right now as Product Collective, we're really focused on trying to figure out, hey, what are all the other ways that we can help product people? So have you, are you in the discovery mode there? You guys have any ideas of what you're going to roll out this year since this is your first year full time on it? Yeah. So there's two things that we definitely know we're going to do. One is industry 2017. We will make that, you know, even bigger and better than what it was this past year. You know, it'll, it'll take place likely September, 2017. Uh, but you know, we'll probably have about 500 or 600 product people there. The other piece though, is that, you know, we want the sort of continue the conversation, not just two days a year, but really all year round. So What we did is we created what we're calling a product collective membership and people can sign up you just go to productcollective.com. And when you do that, you can access our newsletter. You know, every week we're sending out a newsletter about products, you know, just news and information that we're finding on the web. Uh, But we also have this monthly webinar series called Product Lunch. And there's all sorts of other stuff that we're going to include for our members too. There's a Slack community um, and it's all free. You know, people can just sign up at productcollective.com and Uh, That's the way that we could continue the conversation. Awesome. Well, we are incredibly excited for you, and I'm glad we could steal some of your time to have you as part of the Rocketship team now. So let's get into your interview with Clay Collins of Lead Pages. Welcome to Rocketship.fm, the podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales, and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Mike Belsito. And I'm Joelle Goldman. Clay, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Mike, it's great to be here and it's great to be connected to you. Well, that's awesome. Uh, now, you know, leading a company like Lead Pages, there's a ton we could talk about, I know, but today specifically, I wanted to focus on SaaS pricing in particular. Uh, but before we even dive into that, now, I know probably a lot of our listeners are actually already customers of yours and lead pages, but for those that aren't or maybe aren't so familiar, do you mind giving just a brief intro of what lead pages is all about and how it helps companies? Sure. So I think most people know of lead pages as a landing page builder, but we're also a lead generation platform. So our goal is to be wherever signups are happening on your website and even offline. So if if you have an opportunity for someone to opt in for a webinar, to register for a webinar, you know, we run your webinar registration pages. If you have a newsletter sign-up form, we run that. If you want to collect leads offline, we can handle that as well. So whether it's offline or offline or, or online, wherever someone is signing up for something, whether they're signing up to purchase a product, signing up to join your newsletter, signing up for your webinar, uh, whatever. Uh, we want to run those points of of sign up. So uh, that's essentially who we are. Got it. Got it. And since we're going to talk about SaaS pricing in general, maybe you, could you explain just a little bit about how lead pages is priced? Yeah. So we've 
done a ton of experiments in the past. Right now, we have monthly one-year and two-year plans, and there's a small, medium, and large version of those plans. Got it. Got it. So it sounds like you know, there's been a, a evolution in terms of how things were priced and which makes total sense. I think, mm-hmm. you know, part of why we're talking right now is pricing, especially for a SaaS product can be sometimes, you know, confusing, I guess, walk us through, you know, over time, how it evolved at lead pages, you know, how did pricing first start off and how did it get to where it was today with some of those experiments you mentioned? Yeah, great question. So when we first started off, we had a, uh, we just had uh, monthly plans and we had, you know, a, a small and a medium plan. We had like a $17 version and like maybe a $37 version. It might have been a $39 version. And we liked those, but we found that in a lot of cases, especially with smaller businesses, folks were using lead pages on a one-off basis. So maybe they do a book launch or maybe they were going to do a webinar and they purchase in those cases. And then as soon as they were done with their book launch or their webinar, whatever sort of uh, time-bound thing they were doing, they, they might leave. So we decided that we wanted to offer an annual plan so that people didn't have to, during every single given month, decide whether or not they were getting a return on investment for what they spent that month. You know, we we believe that it is very easy for us to generate a return on investment on our $297 annual plan. However, during some months you might not lose, you might you might not use lead pages at all. So the the model that we we sort of stumbled upon that's worked the best for us is um, you know, monthly, annual and two-year plans with a huge discount for uh, annual and two-year plans, uh, given the sort of start and stop nature of how our uh, segment, which are small and medium-sized businesses, uh, you know, how they use landing pages. And that's worked really well for us. We have more, uh, slightly more annual customers than monthly customers right now. So most people are opting for the annual plan, which a lot of people find surprising. Uh, it's worked really well for us. Oh, that make, makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's like the more you learn from customers and how they're using the product, if you can introduce tiers that actually work well with that, it could make a lot of sense. Um, so no, I, I, Absolutely. I, I like that. Uh, now, let me ask you this, and I don't know if it's been the case where you had to you know, I, I know you mentioned, you know, you experimented with things. I don't know if there was a case where you ever had a direct increase, but I, that's such a sensitive topic when it comes to, you know, entrepreneurs considering changing pricing, you know, especially if there's going to be some sort of increase involved and, you know, people think, ah, gosh, are, will this drastically affect churn? Um, was that a fear of yours when you went through, I know, you know, you talked about really adjusting the type of, you know, uh, I guess, package that you're offering altogether. It wasn't necessarily a direct increase there, but was the thought of, you know, hey, how's this going to affect churn? Was that uh, top of mind for you when you went through some of those changes? Absolutely. And we monitored those, cohort, those cohorts very closely. Generally speaking, I like to start a little bit on the low side when it comes to pricing so that you can raise your prices. It's a lot easier to 
raise your prices and grandfather in customers that came in before the price increase at their previous rates. Uh, and in fact, a lot of ways it, it reduces their churn because they know that they've gotten your product at a, at a grandfathered price and that if they quit and come back, they're going to have to buy at the price that everyone else is buying. So I like starting a little bit lower and raising prices over time that allows you to basically tell your market before you raise prices that you're going to raise prices so that they can buy in at the ground grandfathered rate before it goes up. A lot of companies do discounts and maybe they have coupon codes. We've, we've never had a discount. We've merely offered people the opportunity to purchase as a lower, to purchase at a lower price before we raise prices. So I, I like increasing prices uh, during small, regular increments, and that allows you to not incur too much risk with every price raise. And when you, if you ever do need to roll back to a less expensive price point because you found some kind of sh- pricing shelf, you can, you know, you you can do it without giving up too much of, you know, too much in in monthly recurring revenue because again, it's been frequent and incremental. Got it. Got it. You know, that's that makes a ton of sense. And uh, you know, one of the things I was curious about, especially as you're talking about this, um, you know, you're mentioning you're learning from customers. Your customers, they happen to be other businesses, and sometimes it's you know businesses that have their own SaaS product sometimes it's actual actually a person maybe an author or somebody with a massive platform did you you know i guess what kind of learning do you get from customers not just in how they're using your product but also how they're pricing their own products do you get any of that learning and i guess did that go into you know any of how you adjusted lead pages pricing over time absolutely absolutely Generally speaking, we want to charge what we charge, and you know our intention is that what people spend on lead pages is a small fraction of what they're getting uh, in return for you know uh, you know what they're paying us. Um, yeah, you know I think that being a a marketing technology company that sells marketing products to marketers. <laughs> Uh, we're very kind of steeped in this marketing world and we're constantly, you know, involved in those kinds of conversations, both with regards to our services team that's running split tests for other businesses and involved in those things. But uh, honestly, we're part of that as, as, you know, as members of the marketing world uh, in general, we don't see people running a ton of pricing tests on lead pages because we aren't a payments platform. So it, you know, we're not like mining our customers to find out the, you know, the optimal tests to run there. But I'd say that, you know, given that we are a, a, a MarTech company selling a marketing product to marketers, we, you know, we, we are often engaged in these conversations and they've helped us sharpen our focus when it comes to pricing. We've run experiments around quarterly pricing. We've, run spirit experiments around free trials. We've run experiments around, you know, free trials without credit cards. Like, you know, we've, we've run a lot of different experiments and we recently purchased a company or, or acquired a company called drip. And the, like the first thing we did when we acquired drip was we said, 
you know, that if you have fewer than 100 contacts in drip, that you are essentially going to get um, drip for a dollar a month. So if you, and, and, and there were about 450 customers in that category. So those customers went from paying $49 a month to $1 a month. Wow. So if you take, you know, 450 customers times 400, you know, times $49 times 12 months times SaaS valuation, you know, revenue multiples, like we lost about, uh, you know, about a million bucks in that. But it was really key for us because it allowed us to take all non-consumption off the table. So if you are a non-consumer of Drip or if you're really, really started or, or if you're really, really new with our email service provider and marketing automation platform, then you, you only pay a dollar and we don't, we don't get to post growth as a result of that. We only get to show growth when people are using the product in a significant way. And, and I think there's a lot of SaaS products out there that are creating the illusion of growth on the backs of non-consuming customers. So if you think about you know, the traditional gym membership model where the vast majority of people who have a gym membership don't go to the gym and the gym itself can do very well you know, on a square footage basis because of non-consumption, there's a parallel there to SaaS. And there's, there's, a, there's a whole lot of SaaS companies that are facing real churn issues because it's not a matter of if the majority of their customers churn, it's a matter of when. And the best way to know whether or not someone's going to churn is if they're using the product in a, in a meaningful way. So by taking all that revenue off the table during the very first month of uh, you know, post-acquisition of Drip, uh, it allowed us to kind of to do a reset. I knew that that, that experiment that, that, that we were running where we had a $1 start, starting version of Drip, that if we had waited five months or six months, that we'd no longer be able to run that experiment because it just would be too painful. So Leadpages has 44,000 customers, when we bought Drip, it had about 1,500 customers. And if we would have sort of taken our, our uh, marketing engine and sort of applied it towards Drip, ramped that up, I, I knew we'd be a pl- at a place six months later where, you know, it, it would just simply be too painful. So we just wanted to rip the Band-Aid off and do it now versus later. We'll get right back to our interview with Clay Collins right after this quick word from our sponsor. Now, back to our interview with Clay Collins. That's super interesting. It, it sounds like in that case, you know, with Drip, I don't know how often their pricing had changed, but, uh, you know, before the acquisition, but it sounds like the time was right to at least, you know, check out and see, hey, should an adjustment be made? Uh, what? I, how often do you think a SaaS founder um, or, you know, anybody that's really working within pricing at a SaaS business, how often do you think they should really do a thorough review of their own pricing so that they don't maybe get in a position where, hey, we, we, are, we have to rip a Band-Aid off. You know, we're, we're monitoring over time so that we could be proactive about it. How, how often do you think is right? I think companies should consider their pricing at least quarterly. I think they should meet about it at least once a month. 
to make sure that everything that's going through everyone's head is on the table in, in some fashion. Generally speaking, pricing changes can be very incremental. In cases like, you know, with a, a going from a paid product to a freemium product, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, there really isn't an incremental shift that, that makes sense. There's such a psychological difference between $49 a month for someone with fewer than 100 contacts and, and $1 a month. And there's, a, you know, there's also a large difference between $49 a month and, and free, which we're also going to try. And that was the kind of thing where, um, I, you know, I, I don't think we could have baby stepped our way there. Or if we did, we, we just, you know, we, we wouldn't have had the will to, to disrupt ourselves unless we did that before the first month of MRR hit the books. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we, you know, so we want, we wanted to do it up front and the result has been net negative revenue churn, right? So everyone glorifies net negative revenue churn it's possible for most SaaS businesses if they simply will not count revenue that comes from people that aren't using a product in a meaningful way sure. right so if you have a metered product if you have a product that's metered in any way in any meaningful way and you simply don't charge people that aren't using for it in a meaningful way you'll you'll have net net you'll have net negative revenue churn like we do with drip right now sure Got it. Well, let me ask you this. So say, let's just say there is a a company, you know, they review their pricing regularly. Maybe they have that conversation once a month, but it's a, it's an actual review every quarter. What, how do you know whether you should alter it? Like, what are the, what are the signs to really look for to figure out, Hey, we need to make a change here or no, this, this feels right. You know, we should stick with what we have. Yeah. You know, I think that, there really are no telltale signs other than you've stopped learning. And the reason why you test your pricing is the same reason that you test anything else in marketing, including your homepage, your core message, you know, call to action buttons, like whatever you're doing, I really believe that a business can only grow as fast as it can learn. And, and the second you stop learning about, pricing and what works and what doesn't work is the second that you're just making yourself vulnerable to stagnation or disruption or just mediocrity in general. So I'd say if you haven't run a meaningful substantive pricing test in the last quarter with results that tell you more about your business and how consumers respond to it, then like you're, you're just not in a good spot. And, and you need to be doing that. So it's really about, you know, setting, setting the internal pace of innovation and learning in your company. I don't think that there's any, like, KPIs that I could give you that would say, all right, if, if these trends start happening, then you absolutely must price test. I, I, I think it's more about setting the internal pace of innovation within your company and deepening your understanding about what the market will and will not pay for. We've run experiments in the past where we found that, you know, 90% of people willing to pay $27 a month are also willing to pay $47 a month. There just doesn't seem to be price sensitivity between 27 and 47. The second you go, you know, up to 50, you know, there's a steep drop off. So if you can, 
you know, almost, if you can almost double your prices and get 90, 90% of customers to buy who would have bought at the lower price point, like you've just won in a huge way. Um, but then, you know, maybe other things happen around churn. And I think the point is to, to, to generate meaty hypotheses, not little tweaks or kind of meek little guesstimations about what might happen, but come up with solid hypotheses that have the potential to move your business forward, design experiments around those hypotheses and, and test them. And, you know, test them in a big way, at least once per quarter. That's, that's what I'd recommend. No, that's, that's great. No, and it, you, you keep mentioning the experiments and, and, you know, now with these hypotheses, it sounds like this is something that's really rooted in lead pages from, from the beginning, you know, I'm assuming, I I guess if you were to go back and, you know, think about yourself when you first, um, you know, started lead pages, lead pages were just getting going. If you were to put yourself back then and you think about, gosh, what, what, don't I know about pricing, you know, that, that now you sure know. And so if you were to sit down with somebody that's just getting started, I guess, what would be, you know, maybe the top one or two pieces of advice you'd give them or even like mistakes and traps to look for as they think about pricing at that startup stage, you know, when, when you're just getting started um, with your SaaS business, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I think it's really important for, every founder to kind of figure out the major types of pricing models that exist and to generate hypotheses about which of those are, are best for their business. So the, the three major ones that pop out to me right now are, and you can combine them if you'd like, but freemium, freemium pricing, metered pricing, where you know, the, I guess, like with, with drip, with drip.co, the more contacts you have, the, the, the more you'll pay. Uh, and then I guess like feature gated pricing where, you know, you, you pay more for like more support or additional features or, or whatever. And most products can maybe combine two of these three in a, you know, in a meaningful way. But I think it's really important to think about, which of these three is most important for your product and, and know why, and then to experiment with elements of, of the others. Like with Drip, having a metered product is so much different than having a product like Lead Pages where there is a, a ceiling on the amount that someone can pay. It's like if you, if you get advanced two-year like that's the most you could pay us. Maybe you can add. Maybe you'll add sub accounts and pay us a little bit more. But for for most businesses, the, there's a there is a maximum amount that they can pay us. And with Drip, there there is no there there's no ceiling at all on how much someone can pay us. Like if you want to load in five million contacts, you're going to pay more than if you load in one million contacts. And that has a huge effect on the business. I would submit that in a B two B context. The only way you can justify freemium or something like our $1 plan is if you have a metered product because it's about widening the funnel as as much as you possibly can at the bottom knowing that only, you know, 25% 
of your users or even 10% of your users are going to be heavy users of the product, but they'll be paying you thousands of dollars a month. So when you think about like Stripe, for example, or Amazon Web Services, using those, those platforms, it, like, it's essentially free until you're using them in a meaningful way. But once you're using them in a meaningful way, you're paying, like you'd never shut, shut off the credit card that pays those bills. You, ne- you never would. But the vast majority of the customers of those platforms are, are paying them like almost nothing when it comes to, to, to real money. And, and that's like, it, that's, that's really important to know that, uh, you know, if you're a B2B company and you're going to do freemium without metered, holy crap, uh, you better have like an almost unheard of conversion rate from, from trial to paid. Um, so it's just, there's just a lot of little nuances of different pricing models that people really need to be aware of. And so I would encourage most, most founders when they're getting started to find people in their space that have freemium, that have metered, and that have sort of um, you know, all-you-can-eat versions of, of their product, maybe with different tiers with features attached to them, and, and interview them and, and really get to know the ins and outs of that specific type of pricing uh, you know, uh, applied to, to that market or, or niche or, 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 you know, segment. Yeah, that's, that's super helpful. And I know a lot of our listeners are at that, you know, very beginning startup stage. I know for them, especially that's going to help a ton. Um, you know, and I, this has all been really helpful. I know pricing, it's not your only forte. I mean, I know people can learn from you, whether it's you know, lead gen, converting better leads, even what it takes to run a successful SaaS company, um, especially outside of Silicon Valley. I know you're based in Minnesota, I believe. Is that right? Absolutely. We're in Minneapolis. I think that's awesome. You know, I'm a Cleveland, Ohio guy myself. So I have a, yes. I have a affinity for Midwest startups in particular. Um, what's the best way for people to keep tabs on you? Uh, you know, learn about what lead pages is offering. I know you have a ton of content that you often, uh, you know, make available to people. How could people get their hands on that? Yeah, the best way is to go to the blog at drip.co or to go to the blog on leadpages.net. We invest heavily in you know, free courses. So we have a team of three full-time people that do nothing but generate you know, 10 plus video courses that we just give away for free. So we have a five-hour video course just on Facebook advertising. We have another on Legion. We have one on marketing automation that's at, on, that's at uh, drip.co. And just go check out some of our free courses. I'm also available on Twitter at Clay Collins. And maybe a third way to get a hold of us is to join the, the Drip and Lead Pages Facebook communities. It's filled with just good people, good marketers exchanging ideas, tips, and trips tricks on on what's working and what's not and you can find that community by going to drip.co and clicking on community in the header and that'll that'll link you to our facebook group that's awesome that's awesome i know i know i'll be taking advantage of those resources so thanks for that clay and just thanks for joining me i really appreciate you taking the time to share everything you know about SaaS pricing with everybody here absolutely thanks for having me on the show 
Well, a huge thanks to Clay Collins for coming on and sharing this with us. As always, thanks to our sponsor for today's episode, Chargebee. Chargebee is the easiest way to set up your subscription billing. Go to chargebee.com forward slash rocketship and get started for free. Coming up on Wednesday, we have the third episode in our SaaS series, so you don't want to miss that. If you haven't yet, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a review. It helps the show so much. Just one quick review. If you'd like to keep up with us, follow us on Twitter at RocketshipFM. If you want to follow myself at Michael Saka, if you want to follow Mike Belsito at Belsito, and Joel is at Joel Goldman. So we'll see you here on Wednesday for a continuation of this fantastic SaaS series. We'll see you soon.